Just Jocks Sponsorship time, ladies and gents. We're brought to you once again by Four Links. What exactly is Four Links? I realised my previous ad was a little convoluted, as passionate as it might have been. Um, what is Four Links? Four Links is a multi-course golf membership that uses a precisely engineered point system, flexible enough for any lifestyle. Members gain access to a growing list of golf courses exclusive video content, and unique, unique experiences with just one monthly fee, giving you the option and variety to play wherever you want in the Four Links roster that covers Nevada, California, and Arizona. Um, does Four Links require a long-term commitment, you ask? Are, they, are these guys just keeping you in for like three years and, you know, and stealing of your money? No. Each billing cycle, month to month, renews every 30 days. You can cancel or pause your account at any time. They're good guys. They're nice people. Um, and how do Fallings points work exactly? Well, you use them to pay for your tee times, depending on what plan you select, um, i.e. depending on how much money you pay per month, determines how many points you get. You get a certain amount of points each month. Each plan is a different cost per point. No money is ever exchanged at the golf course, and green and card fees are always included. Perfect for these social distancing weird time, motherfuckers. Um, and I also need to alert you and push in a direction um, of Falling's new fantasy platform, the new way to enjoy the PJ Tour, um, where you play head-to-head matches, you play challenge matches, there's all sorts of matches, you pick your winners. Falling's give you a great breakdown of uh, of each player and their chances for each week in the course, in the tournament, and myself uh, and Sam Kess and the COO of Falling's uh, discuss it in very much uh very much detail um, on Tour Talk on a weekly basis to give you guys the best chance to earn points to play by playing fantasy golf. Guys, go check them out. Amazing company, fallings.com. Back to the motherfucking podcast. One. We're back in. Sam, how are we doing, sir? Uh, excited, man. Yeah, I, um, I've i actually just watched the, the final round of the 2018 uh, US Open today to get me, get me a little bit excited. Um, and... Yeah, it's going to be a weird U.S. Open with no Brooks Kafka. Yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, I mean, there's a part of me, this is probably unfair, but there's a part of me that feels like unless I couldn't walk, I would give it a try, no matter what. And so I'm a little disappointed in Kafka, who had played for a few weeks. I'm hard up to believe that, like, you know, I, I imagine it's kind of the same injury that he's been dealing with for a while. And even though, like, you know, I'm sure Tiger's knee in 2008, you know, and his, like, the broken bones in his leg probably felt pretty shitty. But, you know, it's the U.S. Open. He gutted it out. He played. You mm. know, and, it's, and it ends up being one of the most memorable Opens we've ever seen. So I'm a little disappointed he didn't play. I mean, like, it's easy for me to say I'm not the one with the bum knee. So, you know... But there's a part of me that kind of felt like it was a little protective of Kepka. Like, he didn't want to go out there and, and have a bad week and mm. might have maybe hid from from the challenge of, of gutting through it. And if that's so, that's disappointing. But, I mean, you know, look, like, it, it could very well be a, a, a tough injury that uh, that he shouldn't be playing through. So I hesitate to be too critical, but my initial instinct is, like, you know, if it were me, they couldn't keep me away. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd hasten to agree. Um, I think 
I think when it comes to especially this year's schedule, it's not like you know any inflammation of that injury or worsening of it is going to result in um, any more missed important events because. I mean, re- realistically, he's only going to be eyeing up the Masters in in November, right? I mean, I know there's a string of tournaments, but realistically, like this is this is the big one for the next two months. Yeah, for sure. And, and at the end of the day, uh, unless it's not like this is a contact sport in mm. which the risk of further injury is pretty severe, you know. And even if he he gets nine holes in and he can't go, like I still think that that at least find out at least at least give yourself a chance to to see if if it's okay so i, I was disappointed by that but you know it's not as bad as molinari who who just has, has been hiding under a rock or i don't know what he's doing yeah well what is what is francesco doing i've literally i've he's one player who's he's obviously fallen off the radar but like you know usually i like i do some research into players i haven't heard in a while i try to keep up with as many players for some reason, I just Molnar has just not been on my radar, and I haven't looked him up. I I literally couldn't tell you a thing about what his current state of uh is, yeah state is. <laughs> I don't think he's played at all post COVID. I don't even think he's played in Europe since COVID. Since COVID. No, and I and think I think Eduardo has. I think I think his brother has as well. Uh yeah, and I think uh, he said on his Instagram or his Twitter or something. Uh, he basically said like it's not physical. Like he said, he's like, I'm not hurt, you know, like I just, uh, I, you know, and it was kind of like a vague allusion to like, I got to do what's right by my family or something. So it was kind of like, all right, you can't really like give him too much shit because whatever family thing he's dealing with, we don't know what that is. Yeah. And so, but still, uh, I, you know, it, it seems coincidentally timed with the fact that he's playing very poorly. Hmm. Yeah. Or at least was was playing very poorly going into COVID. So I'm a little, you know, it's another one. Like the Open Championship gets you five years worth of playing all the majors. And if I'm Molinari, how do you miss one? How, how, what, you know, whatever was going on with his family would have to be pretty serious in my view for him not to to come on over so i don't know it's, yeah i mean i i hope he's okay because like he 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 is he is very much loved in europe uh obviously huge part of the the Ryder cup success we had in 2018 um and you know played some amazing golf but the, i guess the the danger francesco sam is i think he's at that weird level now where he hasn't played well for a prolonged period of time now it's it's not like he's fallen out of form for three months and you know there's light at the end of the tunnel it's like no, Tiger pulled his pants out in the Masters and he hasn't been the same since. <laughs> I like that's a good way to put it. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I don't know if it was Tiger or just Augusta National, the golf course. Yeah, I don't know. There was something there was something that changed him. There was when um when when Francesco hit the ball uh in, in the water when Tony and Francesco hit the ball in the water on um on the par three and uh, if you notice, Tiger didn't wait uh, behind them um, for them to play their the the penalty shot. He walked up oh, yeah. to behind. He walked up to behind the green and just stood in the corner of their eye. Um, and I I like to think as a big Tiger fan that uh, that's still haunting them now. <laughs> oh, and I think that was absolutely deliberate. Like, Veteran move. Fact. Veteran <laughs> move for effect that that he knew. That that would be like, hey, look, I'm safe over here. Enjoy <laughs> that drop area, boys. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, literally, like, uh, yeah, like it's a Tiger in Tiger Red, like you know, just putting the pressure on the. I mean, there's, there's nothing better. Um, I guess we might as well move on to the big cup because we can't talk about a major and not talk about Tiger Tiger Woods. Um, uh, what chances are you giving him this week, if any at all? Ah, uh, I mean, I think that. Uh... I think he's always a threat in major championships, no matter what kind of form he's in, no matter how little or how much he's played or whatever it is. If we learn nothing else from Torrey Pines in 08, it's that whatever the set of circumstances are, it doesn't mean that Tiger can't find a way through him. I don't think his game is very sharp. I, I, I think he's kind of, there seems to be like a little bit of a whack-a-mole element to his golf game where, you know, one problem pops up, he solves that. But in the meantime, something else pops up. He solves that, something else pops up. He just hasn't seemed to have kind of a complete game in a little while now. So I, I worry that Wingfoot's a really tough test. If you don't have all of it, I think it, it's a challenge. So I, I, I'm not bullish on his chances, but I would never, I would never rule a guy out. That at the end of the day, the U.S. Open, maybe more than any other golf course, is a, a mental examination, and we've never had anybody better when it comes to w- between the ears than Tiger Woods, I believe. Yeah, and it, it's not like his it's not like his game's like completely gone to shit. Like he has shown moments of real form, class, and sharpness during his comeback. It's just it almost feels like he's. Um, it's almost like he's he's fixing I don't know like uh, a sinking boat with with plasters right and then more water's gushing through it's just it, like you say just like he fixes one part of his game the other part goes to shit and it's just he hasn't sort of found it all together um, quite as yet but I th- I think one thing to note um, I think the most impressive thing about Tiger's season this season has been um, how much straight he's been with his drive and how much better off the tee's been um, and if that's going to come in handy anywhere it's at Wingfoot. Um, so I look. I like to think if Tiger can drive the ball like he has been, um, and finds fairways, it's not a golf course where you need to get in hot streaks with your putter. Yes, you're going to have like seven to twelve footers to save par a lot. I get that, uh, but it's not like it's going to be a birdie fest. Um, and I think if he can find the fairway, he's going to he's going to be he's, he's going to be up there. Yeah, that that's going to be extremely important for him. If he can't find, if he can't make the drive the ball on a string. I think for anybody this week that if you're spending if you're spending time in the rough, it's going to be a cascading series of problems from there. That even if you end up in a position where you've got a lie, that you might be able to take a whack at the green. That it, you're going to end up having a difficult time holding those greens. You're going to end up the worst place you can be at Wingfoot most of the time is over the back of the green. And I think that coming out of the rough with the greens as firm as they're expected to be. I think that that's going to be a, a a place a lot of people trying to play to the greens from the rough when they can, you know, that they're going to end up over the back in some really tough spots. And so I think for anybody, not just Tiger, but especially Tiger, that uh, you better you better find the fairway because this is a golf course that's tough to play from the rough. I mean, that having been said, and and I don't know how much to to because they've really changed the golf course, at least the green complexes pretty significantly since the last open there in 06. Mm. That, uh, like, Phil, I think he hit two fairways on Sunday <laughs> and was and was one, one hole away from winning the U.S. Open hitting two fairways on Sunday. 
And Jeff Ogilvie made an interesting comment about that. Is he said that uh, a lot of people thought that because of the narrow fairways, the high rough, the crazy greens, that it was going to be a week that uh, accuracy off the tee was hugely important. And he felt like the irony was that it almost worked the other way, where because the fairways were narrow, everyone was missing them. So if you were not a great driver of the ball, uh, it was okay because you weren't alone oh, and yeah. that it placed a higher premium. And this certainly speaks to Phil being at the top of the board for most of the week, that it really kind of put a huge premium on your ability to get the ball up and down. And, and that, especially at that time in his career, there was nobody better than Phil at that. So I, I, it could work both, it could work both ways. I like that insight, but I read. I think that's a. I think that's like a, you know, an insight from a seasoned professional. I, I, it's it's like quite illuminating. I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. Um, but it it still it still stands that if he finds fairways, his chances of uh, for for anyone are going to be going to be much higher. Um, and I, th- I think as well, we need to we need to obviously make the. Um, I guess uh, make some comments on on his change of putter. Well, not change of putter, but his uh, his, his change of grip. Um, which which I. I, I get that he's thinking with his putter right now, and I get that he's messing around with it at home and whatnot. But I, I, it's Tiger Woods. You can you can bet you, you can't really question his decision making when it comes to anything to do with golf. But do you find it strange that he just makes these changes, um, you know, for a major event without having any sort of tournament practice with that change? You know, I think that Tiger's one of those guys that if he thinks in his mind there's a better way that he'll he'll go to the better way and and where and when and and what's going on be damned that if there's a better way i can do this if the way that i'm doing it is getting me better results that i'm going to give that a try you know and i think i remember reading hank haney's book and he talked about how grip to uh like his left hand grip weaker and Tiger would always resist it, always resist it, always resist it. But that, when he finally came around on the idea, that it took him two swings and he had it. Mm. And, and so I do think on some level that when you're as talented as he is, you know, it's like you you could you could put a lefty putter in his hand, give him ten minutes, and I bet he'd be all right. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's fair play. I, I've got every faith that it. it's just it's just it just it just pains me that he's having to do so much work in adjustments with the putter i mean it's been a sort of a common theme of his of his whole comeback right we saw we saw him change putter for what was it the pga championship 2018 and the and the british open actually put it extremely he put it very very well both those tournaments so um maybe it's just a case of tiger's gonna have to be more adaptable than he than he ever had to be and he's just gonna have to keep adjusting as he sees fit and, and, and maybe regular changes are going to be a, a common theme of the of the of the back end of his of his career yeah i didn't when you say uh changing the he's changing his grip on his part or like the, yeah he changed the, the, the do the do the, the the black pain grip he uses oh he's, right, he, right, right. He's, he's changed that to a cord a grip it's still ping but it's cord oh that's interesting so it's a different feel. He was changing the way he puts his hands on a club. No, no, not, uh, not changing his putting stroke. Actually, actually, making physical changes to the to to the to the putter. Now, I know it's only a grip change, but that's that's obviously feel, and there's no 
better person when it comes to the field than that than, than, than Tiger Woods. I just thought it was interesting that all. Maybe it's maybe it's got something to do with uh, refueling the pace of these greens because they're going to be that quick. Yeah, and and I think I think the putting services and Wingfoot are going to be one of the stars of the show. Oh, I, I cannot wait. I, I'm so excited to have a brutal, brutal test of golf. Um, with, with, with that being said, what, 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 is, what do you think is going to be the winning score? Hmm. Was it five over when, when was it five over in 2006? Yeah, Ogilvy won outright at five. In 1974, Haler won outright at seven over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I think Fuzzy Zeller and Greg Norman both finished under par in 84. I suspect, I mean, the weather, I look, there's a little bit of potential rain Thursday night and maybe Friday. But beyond that, it looks like the golf course is going to stay pretty well dry for most of the week. I think I would, hmm, I would for sure take plus two in the clubhouse and let everybody go try to beat that. I don't know that I would take plus five and see if ever, I think somebody might, I would say like three or four would be, would be a, probably my guess. I think that the guys are longer than they were in 06. Uh, so I think that they'll have some shorter clubs into those greens than they did then. So I think in some ways that, that might make it a little bit, you know, however challenging it is that whatever the challenge is, it's a, it's, it's easier with an eight iron than it is with a six iron. So I think uh, I would say four. I would take I, I I would I would take four and I would take three and see if anybody could beat it. When you get into four and five, I would be worried about that being good enough. Yeah, I I I I'd, I'd probably I'd probably agree with you. Um, I think there's been multiple comments both from the SGA and Wingfoot itself um, that they're determined to make this like a really, really tough test. So I, I definitely don't think under par wins this week. Um, maybe if there's more rain than usual, perhaps, but um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the U S Open continues to provide winning scores uh, that that are over par. Um, look, I, I guess I, I just forgot this up. Uh, we, we forgot about the, the, the small matter of the Safeway Open this past week. So how about we, uh, we, we jump back into the Safeway Open for a few minutes and then head into this week's picks and uh, get deep into Wingfoot. I was happy for Stuart Sink, I'll say that. Uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of a feel-good story. I always like when, like, the aging veteran gets that one last one. Uh, and I think it would have been disappointing to him personally career-wise that if you know you hardly think in your career when you win that major championship like you won at Turnberry that like you know it's the highest point you ever achieved to that point but I don't think anybody wins that major thinking all right that's it you know (laughs) and so I I think he would have been disappointed to to go through the rest of his career without winning again so I was happy for him uh I thought Phil showed some good signs that you know, I, I, I he played okay, uh, and that's really. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of it, so most of my takeaways were checking in on Phil's score to see if he was an interesting, see how he's looking coming into Wingfoot, and uh, and I was happy for Stewart's name. Yeah, I, I I concur. I um I was I was doing a lot of travel over the weekend. I'm back in back in the UK actually at the moment. Um, ah. and uh yeah, so I I didn't, I didn't get to catch much of it either, but. The bits I did say, see, I love when a veteran wins um, a PJ Tour. 
uh, event. Um, I couldn't be happy for Stuart Sink. I, th I think that's awesome. And to win it at 21 under, uh, that, that, that's impressive. Um, Harry Higgs stole the show uh, for his dress sense. Uh, I love that open collar thing he's going for. Like, the, I'm fat and I'm proud. Couldn't love it anymore. Um, <laughs> and then some noticeable performances from your from your boy Doc Redman as well. Uh, other than that, it was a very sort of uh, you know uh, you know substandard uh, PGA Tour event uh, leaderboard. Like you know, Russell Knox loves a top ten in those events. Kevin Streelman, Ruchez Revi, um, Pat Perez chucking in a top ten out of nowhere. There's his four hundred grand for the year. Well, hundred grand for the year, whatever he got paid. Um, so like it, look, it was it was obviously an underwhelming, um, an underwhelming sort of. Uh, sort of a lineup um compared to this week but um i still enjoy what i saw and extremely happy for for a veteran to take uh take on the w yeah and i think especially to do it uh with your son on the bag like that i mean you know one of the great memories of all time about the 86 masters is that jack had jackie on the bag you know and so you do think that i mean i don't know how many all right actually this would be an interesting trivia question i'm not sure there's an easy way to look it up I wonder how many people have ever won a PGA Tour event with their son on the bag. And and I imagine that list to be pretty short. So it's a, a cool experience, I think, for Stuart Sink that he was able to share that with his son. And, and uh, you know, and if nothing else happens for him in his career, then he'll still be able to to look back on that as an amazing memory that he and his son will get to share forever. So I, I was extremely happy for him. And... You know, from a professional standpoint for him, it's that's a really big win, you know, that 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 he now will get to play all the majors. You know, it's been a while, I think, since he's been qualified for all the majors. And so that win should get him. I don't I don't know that it does anything for him. I don't know if I saw his name in the field this week, but as far as, uh, you know, getting him into the next Masters, like not I don't think it I don't think it does anything for him for the upcoming one, but for the April one. I think it'll get him into that too. Uh, obviously, he's still, you know, because of the Open Championship, he'll always get to play that one. So I think, it, it, you know, for him, it couldn't have come at a better time when opportunities to play. You know, he's not at Safeway because he's turning down great tournaments he can play. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's it's a nice paycheck they can share uh, between them. I'm sure that's a nice moment as well, right? When they've got 1.3 million quid to enjoy between them. Um, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's not bad either. Like I I kind of feel like um, you know the regular PGA Tour event prize money sort of just gets sort of overlooked a lot of the time. Like people don't talk about it when. Uh, you know, you you look at the Safeway Open, you, you don't think big bucks, but it it pays. <laughs> it pays. Real. It pays I to mean, be on the PGA Tour. It's just it's just honestly, nothing on the FedEx Cup in majors. The size of the purses now. There's a part of it's me silly. that feels like, you know, and there's a part of me that's like, you know what? Everybody should. You you pay your caddy there ten percent. You pay Tiger Woods his two percent. Like that really should be how it is because none of that would be at the level that it's at without that guy. You need to pay. You, know, his, you I, need to pay his foundation. Pay his foundation five right, percent or right, something. Right, two, like, two percent. I would love to see like a, a, a thanks tiger, and that people start committing to two percent of any <laughs> win. I'll give to, to the Tiger Woods Foundation because he's the reason why we're playing for this much money. I think there's an opportunity to do like a cool PR thing, you know, for somebody to say something like that. You know, and Phil has alluded to it a, a number of times that like. You know, and said, you look at the purses, he's like, I, I wondered if there would have, when I came out on tour, you would say, 
I wondered if there would ever be a, a, a day that we played for a first place check over a million bucks. And now there isn't a tournament where the first place check isn't at least that. Yeah. And then I yeah. think this year at the open, it's 2.25 or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's getting, it's getting silly, silly money. It's getting like F1 money. Um, so like, I, I, I love that, right. It's going to attract more people to the game. Um, more money in the game is only, only a good thing. Right. Um, but move, moving swiftly on, I want to go into our picks for, for this week because I think I think they're going to be interesting ones, Sam. Um, obviously, it's a ridiculously difficult, um, ridiculously difficult golf course, um, and we've got a lot of players who who could potentially win. A lot of players who've a lot of top top players who've shown good form over the last sort of two months, um, and with no Brooks Kepka, like that takes a major sort of thoroughbred out the race, so to speak. So. Very keen to understand your, your your thoughts here, Sam. Kick us off with uh, with Group A. All right, Group A. This is, uh, I would say you probably could have guessed at least four of the names, probably five of the names in this group. Uh, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. The surprise name in that list is Xander Shoffley. Oh, Bryson. Bryson's stuck in there as well. Yeah, you know. I don't know. It's it's kind of like a residual because there mm. was there was a moment there a couple of months ago where it was like, holy shit, this guy's the best player in the world, <laughs> yeah. and that and that moment seems to have passed and passed quickly. And I don't much fancy Bryson's chances this week at all. No, no, I I I, I, I absolutely concur with that. Um, yeah, like he he just can't be he just can't be that erratic and and get away with it, Wingfoot. Yeah, and I and I think this golf course shows you uh, why that style of golf has limitations, and that that might be sw- uh, all well and good, you know, for the three M Open, but it's a different beast entirely, you know, when you're playing championship golf, and uh, and that's what you've got in spades this week, and I just think you can't miss fairways like he misses them, you can't uh, like have as little control of your wedges as he ha- seems to have. Because this is going to be U.S. Open. Like, we haven't seen this in a while at the, at the Open. In fact, I can't really remember the last one. Like, Shinnecock wasn't even really like this because it was more like fescue. But, uh, I mean, the rough this week, like, you will see guys where they've got 180 yards in and the lie is so bad that it's a, it's two wedges that you can't play at the green from, from that distance. <laughs> and so I, I think for, for those guys, the ability to – save some fours from 80 yards, 100 yards. You know, I, I think that'll definitely be a, a huge help. And I think that's something that, that Bryson, for as erratically as he drives the ball, to also not have that piece, I, I think it's going to be a tough week for him. Yeah, um, and I, I think out of that group, for me, I, I can't take my eyes off John Rahm. I agree. I think he's a good choice. I like him. I, I truthfully like him better than Dustin Johnson this week. I think. I think DJ like really put a lot into, you know, it's tough. Like he played four weeks in a row where he finished second, first, second, first. (laughs) And and that'll, and that'll, you play 12 straight, you know, you play 16 straight rounds where you're like in the thick of it. And that has a certain toll that it takes on you. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, to want to fade a guy who's playing that well. But I'm just there's a part of me that's just that just feels like maybe he might be the, the tank might be a little empty come this week and that he won his FedEx Cup and that was kind of like where he had his eye for the last few weeks and so I don't know how uh, 
I don't know how much gas he'll have in the tank, but I like John Rahm. I think he's a, he's a, a guy that drives the ball pretty straight for a long hitter. I think he's got a pretty strong iron game. I wonder about his uh, patience and uh, what's the right way to put it? Like temperament. His temperament. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word for it. Temperament. That I I think that you're going to get bad lies. You're going to hit good shots that aren't going to end up in good places. Like the open is a mental examination as much as any, especially when it's like this, you know, when, when it's this type of open, you know, at a Pebble beach where 10, 12 under one last time, like, I don't know, it's quite that much, you know? And so I do wonder if, uh, if, if he's able to kind of handle the, the grind, but he's, he's been saying a lot of things to the effect of, like, I love this style of golf and I, I want it to be as hard as it can possibly be. You know, so I don't know. His game, would, his game would suit it. If he can keep a good head on his shoulders, I don't think he's a bad pick at all. Yeah, and I, I, think, he, I think he is maturing. Um, he's won big events. He's playing, he's playing some very, very good golf. I think, I think we, we've talked about John Rahm and major championships now, seriously, for around two years. Um, I think he feels like it's his time. I feel like he's going to have a level of focus and intensity for this week that's going to be needed. Um, he's definitely he's definitely my pick in that group. Um, I'm not ruling out Justin Thomas. I think he needs to prove himself in the major department still. I know he's only got the one, but he's probably, for me, played the most consistently um, since since the, uh, the resume of the, uh, of the of the tour. Um, so I wouldn't rule Justin Thomas out. Rory McIlroy, you you just, you just never know. He showed glimpses, but he hasn't put four rounds together in as long as I can remember. Um, so, yeah, jo- John Rom's my Group A pick. Yeah, I think my pick in Group A, and I hesitate to not pick, like, he's not the best player in this group, but he might be the best fit this week. I think I'm going to pick, and it's going to be a low ownership pick for sure, but I'm going to pick Xander Shopley. I think that this is a guy who was built to play this style of golf. He's a guy that hits fairways. He's a guy that gets up and in. He's a grinder. You're going to love him when par is a good score. Uh, You know, he's not quite the same birdie machine that like John Rahm can be or that Dustin Johnson can be or that Justin Thomas can be. But that's not the order of the day this week. So I think if ever there were a time to, you know, to, to take a little bit of a flyer, I think I'm going to go with uh, Xander Shoffley. I, I think, if nothing else, I don't think he will be a letdown. I think he will – I is maybe higher than most of these guys. Like, I, I could see – crazy though it is to say, it's not hard for me to visualize any of the other five guys missing the cut. Like, if, if DJ can't get the ball in the fairway, those par-saving putts, he, I, I don't know how many – I mean, Wingfoot, the greens there are are – like the ability to read greens is going to be of paramount importance. There's an amazing, I love this tool and, and, and someone, anyone who's listening should go check this out on, on the golf digest website. It was like an interactive thing they set up where it was, can you read a wing foot green? And it showed you a picture of the 15th green at wing foot. And you were, you would pick like a spot that you would be, and then it would give you four choices of where the line is. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that, that the difference in the four choices was like five feet each. Like one of them is like you aim 30 feet left of the flag. One of them is you aim 30 feet right of the flag. Wow. One of them is you aim straight at it. And this is what's wild about Wingfoot, that 
uh, some of them, all of them weren't. Like you could aim it 30 feet right of the flag and there's one slope that you can use that'll bring it back around. Or you can aim 30 feet left of the flag hmm. and there's another slope that you can use to bring it around. So I, I think that uh, guys who have like creativity on the greens, you know, like, like you're, you're really going to have to read them. And I'm not sure DJ is, is you know, he's, he's been better at it of late, obviously, but that's not a strength of his game. It would not surprise me if he missed the cut, if Rom missed the cut. But Shoffley, I just, he seems too steady to me. You know, in, in a lot of ways, like even though he's probably the sixth best player of six guys in this group, he seems almost like the safest choice, which is kind of strange to say. I'd agree. There, there are no real holes in his game. There are no real weaknesses in Shoffley's game. Um, typically in majors, he's he's performed very well in the last sort of three three years. Um, I, I completely agree with you. He, he he would instantly be my my second pick. I just like the intensity of John Rom at the moment. Um, and I agree with you that Rom is hungry. Yeah, you know, he he's... knows. Like he got to world number one. He looked. Like, everyone else has kind of achieved more than he has, even though, like, even though he won and got to number one in the world and he's won plenty of tournaments and stuff like that. Like, if you had to point to, like, the signature John Rahm win, like, other than the singles match against Tiger in the Ryder Cup, like, I don't know, I, I don't really know what it would be. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 won the Irish, he's won the Irish Open, he's won the Abu Dhabi, he's he's won quite a few on the European Tour, and I think is he won the what's he won the on the won the Memorial this year, right? Yeah, that might be it. That Memorial that he won this year to to get to world number one, you might, you know, you could probably call that a signature win. I think. Yeah, but you you are right. He hasn't he hasn't got that he hasn't got that sort of like you know career defining win yet. Um, where people can look back on. If you look at the other top four players in the world, um, they've all got that win or those wins, uh, plural. Um, I just don't feel like it's one big, big enough event. I think he knows it as well. I think that's I think that's part of what sort of um, inspired his hunger of late. I, I think he knew, he knows he's ready. He's playing the golf he needs to. He just needs to go and get the job done. Um, so yeah, m- m- moving on. Group B um, takes away. All right, Group B is. Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, Gary Woodland, Tiger Woods, Patrick Cantlay, Webb Simpson. I think this is a hard group. Yeah, it's tough. Really tough. I mean, there's there are a lot of, of, of good choices here. I think I will – I mean, Jason Day is another guy that, that, like, short game is so good, and he's so good on those par-saving cuts that, like, in a week where you're not going to have to make a ton of birdies, I'm not sure he's, he's not a, a, a sneaky choice. There's just too many guys that are in this group that are that in my view are like better than he is. I don't love Gary Woodland this week. I think he's I think he's struggled since he won that open. He's popped up here and there, but I don't feel like I've seen him, you know, kind of show like any kind of regularity to be at the top of the board. Pat, I mean, there are a couple guys in this group, three guys in this group that this, I mean, you know, not even including Tiger Woods, which is crazy to say. Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, and Webb Simpson are three guys that seem like U.S. Open machines, especially Cantlay. Like, Cantlay's a guy that, that he's just like, he's a plotter, you know. He, he's a, a, a fairways, greens, up and ins, you know. And, and Webb Simpson's not dissimilar in that regard. Colin Morikawa's a great ball striker. I'm not sure, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm not sure how good of a scrambler he is. He, he doesn't put that well. He's not that impressive on the greens. 
yeah, that would be kind of a mitigating factor against him. I mean, you know, any group Tiger Woods is in there is always whisper in my brain. It's like, take him, take him, you know. <laughs> but I, th- I think, mm, I think I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay. I think, I think that he's a guy that, that's been, uh, this is the week that, that he waits for every year, I think. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a, I think that's a really that's a really analytical choice. Um, I think he comes to life in bigger events. He's super super reliable, and he only needs like he only needs he, he only needs a hot nine uh, on the weekend uh, or even a hot six, and he's going to be right up there and thereabouts. And he's a quite a steady player, isn't he? Like he doesn't set the world on fire. And we've said this multiple times already, but this week isn't going to demand that. It's going to demand consistency, real focus, and a steady golf game across the board. Um, so I, I like that pick. Um, I just I just can't not go with my guy. I can't go, I can't see Tiger Woods' name there and not pick him. Uh, maybe there's more educated choices out there, but having said that, Woodland's been very quiet. Jason Day, incredibly good putter of the golf ball, but seemed to have fallen back into a lull. Um, Colin Morikawa, don't rate his putting. Um, and I, I don't know if you've seen, but the superintendent of Wing Foot just come out and said that he thinks plus eight is going to win um, because of the difficulty of the greens. Uh, just give it. Given it wasn't the, even that he said it was going to win; it's that that's what he wants to win, and he's setting up the golf course. <laughs> yeah, which so is like, even yeah. worse. It's not even like, oh well, I, I set it up. I set it up, and if you ask me to guess, I would guess plus eight. It's like I am setting it up because I want plus eight to win. Awesome. Absolutely, it's almost like he's trying to set a record, isn't it? <laughs> he's trying to break records out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, lest we forget, the, the seventy-four open at Wingfoot is where that famous Sandy Tatum quote was coined. That after the first round, I mean, it was just mayhem out there. Nobody broke par. I think Gary Player was leading it even. <laughs> Gary Player was leading it even par, and so the media came in and they were talking to Sandy Tatum, who was in charge of the USGA's competitions committee at the time, and they asked him, like, you know. Like, what are you doing? Are you trying to make fools out of the best players in the world? Uh, and he had that great line. He said, uh, we're not trying to embarrass the best players in the world. We're trying to identify who they are. Nice. That's amazing. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. Like, uh, re-watching the, uh, the US Open 2018 reminded me of the all the, um, the issues that, uh, well, all the sort of uh, criticism Shinnecock got after the first round and players complaining, saying it's not golf, etc. But I want to see mayhem. I want to see chaos out there. I want to see ridiculous. I want to see balls start in one place and end up forty feet away. I want to see roll off areas. I want to see rough where you can't see the ball. Just because that's what the U.S. Open is for. Like I, I want to see the chaos and I want to see the best player win. Um, and I think a test like Wing Foot is the perfect golf course to do just that. Um, I'm going with Tiger Woods. There's not too much to substantiate that choice other than the fact that he's Tiger Woods, which is always good enough. Um, but look at—that's that's plenty in its own right. I'm just—I'm yeah. I'm just not inspired by the other guys. Like, can't lay admit he's a good choice. Webb Simpson's gone a bit quiet. He has quietly got the game that could win. And don't forget, he's also got—he's got a U.S. Open under his belt already. Um, he can't win these events. Um, he's just sort of again gone a bit quiet recently, hasn't he? I, I'm not sure where his game's at currently. Um, Woodland showed nothing. Day I think's fallen back into a lull, and I think. And Mark Howard can't put as good as you need to to win. So, yeah, Tiger's my pick. Uh, Group C. 
Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Tony Finau. I'll admit, on this group, I, I don't have a clue. I mean, I, I don't – I could – I can talk myself into any one of these six guys. I can sit there and say Adam Scott's such a steady ball striker, and the fact that he can't putt, these greens are so tough to putt that other people are going to miss, and that will bring the field back to him. Like, he said that about Augusta National, that people thought it was a bad fit for him, and he said he kind of felt like it worked the other way, where, like, yeah, I may not make as many putts as the next guy – but at Augusta National, fucking nobody makes putts. Like, it's it's mm. hard to make putts out there. And so, like, he's like, if you took the flattest greens in the world and made everybody putt those, I would get killed because, like, guys who are <laughs> putters than me would have no problem. But when they're that tricky to read, when good, when it, when it's, when they're that difficult, you know, that it, that it in some ways kind of narrows the gap. So I could see that kind of working in his favor. I haven't seen his name on leaderboards much. Matsuyama is just too volatile for me for a U.S. Open. Yeah, no, I agree. Tom, Tommy Fleetwood's always a good U.S. Open choice. He is. Justin Rose's, Justin Rose's game has kind of been missing for a while now. Finau just doesn't seem like he putts well enough or hits enough fairways, in my view. Like, he's a long hitter, which is great, but that doesn't, like, that's not going to be a huge help at Wingfoot. Like, there, there's... Only one reachable par five. There's like one drivable par four, but beyond that, like length's not gonna help you like a ton out there. Fowler's game just doesn't seem sharp enough. Like he, would, if if all of these guys were playing well, I think Fowler would probably be my choice because of how well he puts. But I think I'm gonna go with Fleetwood. I I, I think he's always been a good USO. He seems to show up for these. Ah. Uh, Justin Rose has a great short game, so he might not be a bad call this week. But uh, I think I'm going to go with Fleetwood. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to copy. Well, I'm not copying. I'm going to. I'm going to. You know, go for the go for the same pick. I am again inspired by the Shinnecock uh, Open. Uh, Tommy Fleet. You know, the U.S. Open traditionally, you know, sort of uh, rewards ball strikers. Tommy Fleetwood's an exceptional ball striker. Um, I think was it 2017 he finished top five. 2018 second. I don't think he. Came in a closer pebble, but then again, it wasn't a traditional. Well, I know it's Pell Beach, but it wasn't like your typical real tough test of golf that that yeah, US it was Open. A lot easier than yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of feel like it's going to jump back into, into Tommy's favor. Um, and looking at the other guys, Rose's game isn't as sharp. Fowler's game's not sharp. Adam Scott, I like. I kind of do like. Um, Hideki is too volatile, and and Finau, I just don't know he's ready yet. I I just doubt whether he's whether he's got the the um I'm not gonna say he balls. seems more like he seems more like an Augusta man. Yeah, you know, you know. it takes a lot of gut. Like it 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 U.S. Opens about guts, right? And you know I love the guy, but he hasn't really shown much guts uh, when there's been sort of trophies on the line, right? So um, I'm I'm hesitant to pick Fee now, although I although I love absolutely love his golf game, and I think he'll I think he might feature. Um, Tommy Fleetwood's my choice just off historic US Opens um, and, and how good his ball striking is. I think you could do a lot worse than a pick like Tommy Fleetwood, that's for sure. Now, Group group D is really interesting for me because I look at all those guys and think, who the fuck do I pick? It's a it's the European Ryder Cup group. Matt Fitzpatrick, Terrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey. 
Ugh. On spec, on spec, the three names that the three I kind of push to the back are Shane Lowry, doesn't see him on form. Garcia doesn't seem on form. Stenson doesn't seem on form. So I would kind of push those guys to the background in this group. And then for me, it comes down to kind of Fitz, Hatton, or, or Casey. I certainly think the the safest of those three choices, to my mind, is Fitz. Casey's ball striking seems like it would suit the open. Hatton has a, a pretty solid game around the greens. He's kind of a he seems like a, a tough golfer. So that's kind of a nice like temperament fit for the U S open. But I I've gotten fits so many times, like how, when it, when it's a perfect fits kind of a setup, how could I not go fits? So I think I'm going fits. Yeah. Like this, this course this week will just set up so beautifully for him. Like, he finds fairways, and a part of his game that does not get discussed enough on the PJ Tour coverage is how good he is at putting. Like he, yeah. he he might be one of the he might be the best putter in in team well in uh, in, in team Europe. Um, I, I I really admire his game. I think where 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 was that at recently? That was a particularly tough day on tour. Was it was it not the Memorial? Where else? Uh, Olympia Fields. Olympia Fields. That's yeah. He won the rounds Olympia Fields. He um. He, I think he was the highest scoring player on the on the third on the Saturday, maybe uh, the best scoring player. I, I think he, he he shows his true quality in, in tough conditions. Um, and yeah, like you say, Lowry, Garcia, Stenson, kind of quiet. Casey, bleh, I don't I don't think he's that level. Um, Hatton, I like I like how he's playing. I think he only played like nine events in the PJ Tour season and finished like what seventh in the FedEx Cup. So um, I do like where Hatton's games. I like how doggedy he is. Uh, but Fitzpatrick's a very tidy golf player, and I, I think he's—I think he's going to be rewarded this week. I don't know if he's got—I don't know if he's—he's he's ready to win this kind of a, uh, this big of a, an event just yet. Mm-hmm. But I certainly think he's—he's uh, got—he's got exactly the right kind of game to have a good week, even if yeah. a good week doesn't mean winning. I don't think he implodes on any particular hole. I don't think he misses the cut. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, who is, is Bones caddying for anybody this week? J, is, is he back? He's still on JT's back. I don't know. Is Jimmy Johnson back or not? I, I, I don't know why they'd bring Jimmy Johnson back just for the major when he's had been having so much success with, with Bones. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would also say that uh, like at a major championship is when I would most want a bone. So uh, if I were JT, like... Frankly, I, I would I would ditch Jimmy Johnson and say Bones is one of the five best caddies in the business. Has been for thirty years. Like uh, I'm an idiot not to keep this guy. Yeah, I, I, I don't actually I, I don't know the answers. So don't quote me, but I'd be surprised if they just chuck Jimmy Johnson back on the bag, given Justin's sort of momentum he's been building uh, and success he's had with Bones. So yeah, don't quote me, but I I'd be surprised. The possibility there is that Bones made that deal with NBC. And oh, she's got to commentate instead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I love him. I, I love him. I love him as a caddy. I think I think he's great. Like I, I like him as a, as a pundit and work on the course, etc. But um, it's just fun seeing him out on the golf course, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's a good guy. I mean, as far as like being the like the man on in the fairway is uh, for NBC, I think he does a very good job at that. You know. He, the same kind of analytical approach that he and Phil always took, I think, was really kind of a 
is a great add to a U.S. Open telecast in particular at a golf course like this with as much nuance as a lot of these greens have. I think he would be a big plus to the telecast. So I kind of hope for at least my sake that uh, he's he's working the fairways, uh, not with a bag on his shoulder this week, but we'll see. Group E. Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Daniel Berger, Phil Mickelson, Matt Kuchar, Bubba Watson. I mean, the heartstrings choice is Phil, but you just can't imagine it in a million. This guy cannot hit fairways. Like, you know, it didn't stop him last time they had the Open here. Uh, and I respect how self-effacing Phil has been in the run-up to wing. But that Phil's kind of adopted, like, this approach of, like, they're going to write about, about it. You know, like, people are going to talk about it. It's going to bring back that painful moment. I'm just going to own the fuck out of it. So did you see the guy? Did you see the guy that bet forty-five grand on Phil to win? No. <laughs> there was a story that it was the single largest exposure that uh, I forget which uh, sports book it was, but they said it was the single like largest uh, like risk the sports book has ever taken because I think it pays out like three point four million on that forty-five grand. Oh my word! Yeah, I think he's like eighty to one. And so. Uh, Phil tweeted that uh, he's like, I heard somebody put 45 grand down on me to win at Wingfoot. Fingers crossed for both of us. I have a shot lead on 18. <laughs> That's not what we want to hear if you just put 45 G's on someone to win. Yeah, you know. But I think that Phil's approach has been like that I, I'm not going to shy away from, because there are some athletes that would come into that and be like, I'm not here to talk about 06. I want to talk about this year. I don't want to relive that. I, there would be a lot of a lot of people who like that would just be unpleasant and they would and they would abuse their position in the game to to just like blow off those questions. And I like that Phil is is of a mind where you know, he's not going to he's not going to be embarrassed about it or whatever. It's, you know, his failures are his failures just as much as his successes are his successes and he knows it. I respect that. But I wouldn't pick him out of this group this week. I just think uh, I think the days of him being a, a contender is fortunate. Uh, Jordan Spieth, same kind of reason. Like, you know, if you don't have your game, the open strike me as a real good place to find it. Uh, Matt Kuchar, same story. Bob Watson, same story. Like, you know, we've seen this a lot, but but the but the least accomplished least name recognition guy in this group is the one who I think is playing the best. And and so I'm going to go with Daniel Berger. Yeah, I um, he, he's, he's definitely the pick if you're looking at this season's form. Um, and surprising to me, he actually was contending in the 2018 US Open as well, which I totally, totally forgot about. Um, so oh, I remember that. Now. Yeah, he, he, he was in the mix all Daniel Berger for a while. Um, so like I'm like oh wow so he's he's brought this form he's got some historic success at the event uh, he's been playing pure since 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 tournament number one he won the first tournament back right so um, and he hasn't let off since he's he's really played very consistently um, and I think out of that whole group he's he's shown the most consistency by far Speed's not going to feature for me because his game's just not there Reed haven't seen enough real fire from him I mean look Kuchum. Kucher and, and Watson aren't going to feature, and Phil probably isn't either. But the point you made about Ogilvy before is staying in my mind. I'm like, Phil, Phil's still up and down artist. He can still scramble like no man's business. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, 
does he just have a real like you know a, a, a true Phil Mickelson week in and around the greens? You know, or is that I just love, or is that I the romantic in me? In, <laughs> the rom- I mean, I'm with you. The romantic in me would love to see him on the least over the weekend, at least to have a sniff. You know, to maybe have a late tea time Saturday or Sunday. I would love to see that. Uh, I just think it's 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 a tough. You know, he came into that week in 06, having won the the 05 PGA, the 06 Masters. He had won. He was going for the a third major in a row. Like you want to have some form coming into into a you know, and and look, he did win on the tour, but I don't know. It's uh. I'm letting the wish be the father of the thought, for sure. Yeah, look, it's it's does reason it does does uh, does emotion dictate logic ever, and, and should it? And the the answer is always usually a resounding no. So I'm 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 gonna be the boring, logic sort of uh, logic based thinker um, in Group E. I'm, I'm I'm reluctantly going Daniel Berger, but my God, does wing foot set up? for a total show of class around the greens from Phil Mickelson. It has the potential to show shot after shot of flop shots, bump and runs, 20-foot par putts. It, it, has, it, has, it has the lot. It has the perfect platform to showcase Phil's game. I hope I hope for, for his and all of golf addicts' uh, <laughs> sakes around, around the world that, that it does. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't ignore Daniel Berger's form this year. Yeah, and I'm curious kind of from the television perspective that you know the technology has gotten so much better but one of the areas that I, you know you know I, I, and i don't know that you've seen a ton of this in major championships but one of the areas that i, I really think is going to be uh like a key to uh nbc really being able to explain this golf course to the viewer is can you show the viewer like because we know that television like mutes the slopes on the greens that you can't really like I mean, it mutes like all elevation change, but one of the things that's really difficult to see is slope on the greens. Is is NBC going to be able to find ways to show us those green contours so that we can understand how hard the putts are, how hard the shots around the greens are? Because I agree with you that like it sets up for for a guy like Phil or somebody with an incredibly imaginative short game. That guy, this is a paradise for that guy. So I, I'm interested to to see. Is is the TV broadcast going to be able to communicate to us the severity of the challenge around those greens? I'm hopeful that it will, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, thankfully everyone's on social media, right? And we've already seen videos from caddies, players, um, etc., of you know plopping the ball down a certain spot and the ball is ending up miles away and off the front of the green and stuff. So, um, hope yeah. hopefully they 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 see it in different. You no, know, they see it online on 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 social media platforms and and recognize it. It's just difficult with the camera angles etc to really get that perspective in sort of uh you know in live live play but um group 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 f sam who we got matthew wolf abraham answer cameron champ joaquin neiman victor hovland scotty shefflin it's worth mentioning that these groups were made uh on friday night when the field was like finalized and at that point, we did not know that Scotty Scheffler had tested positive for COVID. He's asymptomatic, which we're all happy about. But unfortunately, that's going to prohibit his playing this week. So Scotty Scheffler is out. Uh, do not pick him under any circumstances, or you will be saddled with the highest score of the day for all four days. And that is <laughs> that, that, 
you know, and that's worth mentioning uh, also that as far as fantasy success this week, that you may not need the winners, but you're going to need to not have a lot of guys that miss the cut because those Saturday and Sunday taking the highest score of the day. I mean, this might be the first, oh, I don't know when the last 90, but I would not be surprised if you saw something that started with a nine out there on Thursday or Friday, because it is, I mean, if it gets away from you, it can be a long day out there. So certainly for fantasy contestants that uh, it might behoove you not to think so much of the upside and think more of the floor. What's this guy's worst going to look like and who's worst yeah. is not the worst, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, th- I think I think for me, Chump and Wolf, I'm getting rid of straight away because I, I the, the, they can both have shockers. They're, they're your modern day bomb at 340, 350, play with a pitching wedge, more souls, win the 3M open kind of guys. Um, totally. You look, at, you look at more skilled, more finessed golfers with, in my opinion, more of a skillful game. Uh, Answer Neiman goes straight to the top of my list because... I don't know if you've seen, like, Abraham Anson's short game is just so tidy. His ball striking this year has been been very good. He just hasn't put himself in, in enough winning positions. Um, I don't know whether that's because he struggles to be a, you know, to be a guy who can uh, compete in the birdie fest. Um, but Anson's short game is definitely one that, that shouldn't be taken lightly on this golf course. And Joaquin Neiman's a very exciting, very tidy young prospect. Does he win the US Open this week? I don't think so. Uh, Victor Hovland, I think, has got a better chance than Neiman, just given his experience. Again, he's very tidy, but Hovland's chipping. Although we joke, right. say he's got to be good. Like, I'm sorry, you're just going to have too many bad lies this week to um to to put. That's going to put some serious pressure on his game. Like, there's going to be so yeah, many circumstances yeah. where he needs to get up and down from difficult positions, and uh, he might have improved his chipping somewhat. But you're going to your chipping's going to need to be exquisite this week. And an answer for me gets the gets the slight nod because he really does have exquisite chipping. Yeah, I think I'm going to follow the leader and go with the answer also. I think Neiman would have been – I mean, I can't – in looking at that group, my my three would have been the same as your three. Answer, Neiman, Hovland, and Hovland kind of disqualifies himself because of the chipping. That I just don't think you can be a guy with a bad short this week. I just – like that guy's that – guy's, everyone is going to miss greens, and when you miss greens, this is going to be the hardest – you're going to have some of the hardest shots you've seen. I mean, I don't know, save for maybe like Augusta in places. And even Augusta, you don't have the heavy rough to deal with, yeah. too. You know, so I, like I, I, some of these guys are going to face like short game shots that are just, I mean, on a consistent basis, as hard as they've ever seen. And so if you're somebody who, who you know, kudos to you for your self-awareness. But if you're somebody who is a self-admitted shitty chipper, uh, I, don't, I don't fancy your chances. And I just think between answer and Neiman, uh, answer seems like he's played kind of more. He just has a little bit more experience, big time golf experience to me than Neiman does. I think Neiman could get there and he looked great at the President's Cup. And I think that was a great kind of, uh, as far as like his learning curve goes, I think important experience for him. But uh, I think I'm going to go with answer. He's just too... Uh, too he's tidy. Too steady. Yeah, he's too. He's you know he just seems like the kind of guy that like he could he could make six bogeys and four birdies and and post plus two and it's good you know. Yeah. That that he's not a guy that like do you love Abraham answer at the Bob Hope at, you know where thirty one under wins or whatever no you don't but that's not what we have this week. Uh, 
you know, and I think it's worth saying, like, you know, I think uh, to my mind, and obviously there's like a, you don't want everyone to it. But I don't understand why the PGA Tour, when they see how excited people get over how hard a golf course is, like, why does that not register for other weeks? Like, everyone was so impressed with Olympia Fields because of how hard it played. Like, it seemed like, you know, it, that the reaction to that was so great that that why the PGA Tour doesn't feel a, a, a desire to to make the setups harder, to go to harder golf courses. You know, those those are some of the best events we have. Are are some of the most difficult? Yeah, I I I I I agree. I just, I just I just think that what the view has shown is a is a sort of an admiration for um, a varied experience week on week, which I I do tend to yeah. to agree with. I just think it needs to lean more towards the harder golf courses. I think the issues we have, I I generally feel like it's a money issue because you know. Who who sponsors these events? It's the it's Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist. It's not just those manufacturers. It's their drivers specifically. That's all we see is uh right. is, is is who can hit the biggest bombs, how can get extra distance, and they want to see that showcased. And they take they take your know, par fives or short short par fours. They bring the drive to you by Maverick Driver or or or, or the M six or what or the new Sim or whatever the driver might be. Um. And I think it needs golf courses to be able to show that platform where you've got fairways that run a mile, uh, that big open wide spaces that make the driver look better. <laughs> and it sounds a bit conspiracist and a bit maybe cynical, but I can't help but think a little bit of that's true. I also think from a branding perspective that the tour loves that these guys attitude. And I think like, you know, if they're shooting 83, <laughs> on some, you know, when they're not playing well, if bad looks like 83, then it turns into these guys are good sometimes, and sometimes they're shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I think, uh, I just think from like a perspective of trying to impress you, the viewer, with how amazing these are, I think that like low scores are one way to do that. Cause like, look, you and I can both like tell ourselves in our head, like, you know, hey, if I, if I played my A plus game, and I played from tees that were reasonable on a U.S. Open golf course, I might be able to shoot around 80, you know? <laughs> I, I, even though it's probably a lot. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure we could tell ourselves that. And But what I, I will never be able to tell myself is, oh, I could shoot 61. Like, I could be 11 under through 11. Yeah, like, yeah. That ain't happening. You know, I just know it ain't happening. I know I'm watching somebody do something that no matter no matter whether I turn into the bishop from Caddyshack or not, it ain't happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I think, yeah, I think that type of golf really makes you as the as the viewer feel like the pro golfers are at another level, distant, like from from where you are. So, I do get that, and it is fun seeing thirty under win a golf tournament every now and again. I just think we need to edge, lean a little bit more towards U.S. Open style events more regularly. I don't have any problem with the old birdie fest winning because I love seeing birdies flying left, right and centre down the back line where you've got to make birdie to stay in the race. That's pretty cool to witness, but um, I can't wait for a tough test. I love it. I cannot wait. I'm beyond excited. All right, so here's my question to you. You get three cracks at a winner. Who are you picking as your three guys? <sighs> three cracks at a winner. Um. <sighs> 
I've 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 got a bit more lighthearted as a podcast gone on for some reason. So my, my heart's going to rule my head for this first one. It's it's Tiger Woods. I, w- I want to see him win. Um, okay. I've I, Jack's records in my head every single day when it comes to Tiger Woods. Um, it's another opportunity for him to get closer. I don't think his game's in a horrible space. Um, so he'll he'll be one of my picks. Uh, my second one is going to be John Rahm. Um, he's been hot. He's hungry. Um, I think he's got the I think he's got the game and I think he's got the mature temperament for it. I feel like from a timing perspective in his career, this could be a pivotal win for him. Like I I, I just you just get that you just got that sense, don't you, with some guy somewhere. Sometimes it just goes a bit too long without them winning something. It's like it's almost like where Tommy Fleetwood's at. Like if he doesn't win a major for two years, it's like, hang on, we've been talking about Tommy winning majors for six or seven years and it's just it's just not happening for the guy and then you know he loses momentum and so and so forth well, and then, I, yeah and you give it a couple years beyond that and it turns into ricky Fowler territory exactly you know, it's exactly there, there must be something missing because this guy's gone way too long with the game that he has to not have had success in major championships yeah I, you know, I, yeah knows he's good enough uh, absolutely. Um, I think that's where Rahm's at. I think he needs to win for himself in terms of the... Well, he didn't need the win, but I think this re-solidify his place in the top three in the world uh, and, and, a, and, and a guy who's going to be a you know, going to be a legend of the game. Um, my third guy, it's tough. I'm going to leave it for a bit of an outsider. Um, I'm going to go for Xander Schauffele. Um uh, his game's just so steady, and he, he turns up at major championships, Sam. Um, I don't see any reason why he won't do the same this week. And a noticeable shout-out to, to JT. I think Justin Thomas needs another major in his locker pretty soon, just for himself, because he's won so many events, and he's been up there in so many events. Um, but yeah, my, my, my three will be Shoffley, Rahman, and, and Woods. What about you? Oh, by the way, uh, at, at, at six over par. At six over. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad guess. I, I, I really don't. I think uh, – I just think that there's nobody who's going to get through four days of this without a 76. Like, mm. you're just going to have one of those days, you know? Or 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 even if you don't, like, there's going to be that – like, you know, you might be able to – there might be guys who can break par in individual rounds, but, but to sustain that is going to be really hard and to avoid having – brutal day uh i i think phil even shot like a 74 or 76 somewhere in there uh you know en route to being on the doorstep of winning it last time i think my three i would certainly include mm, i mean i don't want to include both rom and dj i feel like dj's playing so well that i just can't if you give me three cracks at it i feel like an idiot not it's like saying you have three cracks at a basketball player who's going to score 50 points. How do you not take Jordan as one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's true. Uh, like, he, he, just, he just can't leave the conversation. Yeah. I think <laughs> I would put DJ in there. I'm a little, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little gun shy on him. I just, I, I can see, you know, and, and grant you, I think he's gotten better in the but I could see I could see him losing his cool a little bit at a, at a at a venue like this. Shoffley I like for sure. I would put him in that group. And a third guy, three cracks and a winner. Who would my third guy be? I'd like it to be Tiger, but my brain says no. Ah, uh, I would go with Thomas. I like I I think hmm. I think he's he's a guy that. Uh, Fancy is a tough setup. And I think that, that 
to win, there are some venues that just to win there means more than to win elsewhere. Hmm. And I think that Wingfoot to conquer Wingfoot, like that would really solidify his place as, as one of the, the top guys around right now. And, uh, and I think he's got a good pairing on Thursday with Tiger. Like they like playing together. Uh, I think, I think that's going to work in both of their favor. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think Tom should be my third. Yeah, I like it. I, I I think like Rom, his intensity really impressed me. I, I I don't know if it's just a personal bias, personal preference, but like I love golfers with a with a, with a with an extra level of competition in them. And I think Justin Thomas is just brings that every he brings a level of intensity and competitiveness, but still a little bit of fun to every single event he plays. I love watching him. Uh, I just think his attitude's like first class, and you can't help but think that is is sort of association with Tiger over the last sort of two years, especially is going to rub off and pay off at some point, right? And you add that with bones in the bag, he's just he, he's a he's a major winner again, waiting to happen for sure. Yeah, and I think too, I I think that the word you used, attitude. Really good that uh, I think that's a an underrated you know it's not it's not necessarily like there's no stat on 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 the tour's website for it but I think that this week like among the intangible qualities that your attitude going into this you know if you're a guy that that's gonna be bitching every time a shot you think ought to be good isn't good or every time you get a bad liar or whatever, that this is gonna be a tough week for you to keep control of your horses and Thomas yeah. seems to me like the kind of guy that loves to embrace like like likes this kind of a challenge and i think it's important to approach it that way as as a you know the way a skier likes a double black diamond you know yeah yeah exactly man um i i i can't wait sam i'll be texting all weekend i i can't wait to see some of the performances some of the the troubles that golfers have hopefully a little bit of weather chucked in the mix um and another major championship in two days time baby going to be a blast. <laughs> Enjoy, Sam. Thanks so much again. You too, brother. Bye-bye.